Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Homeschool with Moxie podcast, where our goal is to inspire and encourage you with actionable strategies to take you from overwhelmed to confident in your homeschool adventure. I'm your host, Abby Banks, and this is episode number 75. This episode is brought to you by my free series for parents, Homeschooling 101, Basics for Parents Before You Start. If you're trying to consider if you have what it takes to homeschool, what does it take for you, for the kids, for your finances, for your time? If you're wondering, like, what is all this going to take? I would really love it if someone who was on the inside, who could tell me about it in a concise and helpful way, then I know you're going to love Homeschooling 101. You can find it. It's free. It's a series on my site. And if you go to 41more.com forward slash homeschooling 101, it's right there for you. So check it out. I'm sure it will help you. And I'm hoping it will give you the clarity you need as you decide if homeschooling is a good fit for you. Welcome to episode 75. We're going to be talking about the Montessori method and also how to use everyday items in your homeschool as educational tools. So it's a really interesting episode, especially if you have preschool and like kindergarten, first grade age students, this is going to be really applicable to you. I was able to chat with Natalie Cottrell, who runs Grasshopper Montessori, a Seattle preschool that uses the Montessori method. So it was really interesting to get some insider information. I'm not super familiar with the Montessori method. It's one of those things where when you homeschool, all these terms are thrown around, right? And you hear of all the different ways and methods you could use to homeschool. Well, Montessori is just another one of those that if you have young kids, this might really resonate with you. You might want to check out Natalie's site and learn a little bit more about it. But even if you're not using the Montessori method in your homeschool, I think what Natalie has to share with us about the way kids learn and using some everyday items to help you in your homeschooling with your children, I think it's going to be inspirational. It's going to give you some practical ideas that you can use even this week. So I will put links in the show notes to all of Natalie's spots where you can find her online and you can find the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 75. So sit back and enjoy. Here's my conversation with Natalie. Natalie, thanks for joining us on today's podcast. Abby, thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here today. For sure. So as we start out, can you introduce yourself to my audience and tell us a little bit about your business? Absolutely. And thank you for giving me an opportunity to do so. My name is Natalie Cottrell. I am an expert in teaching you how to teach your kids. Nobody else do what I do, baby. (laughs) I have, I am broadcasting live from Seattle, Washington, where I am the founder, owner, and director of Grasshopper Montessori. We are an academic preschool with a focus on kindergarten preparedness. 
I also have an in-home program where I work one-on-one with kids in their homes, customizing curriculum based upon each child's interests, skills, and needs. The in-home program is also an opportunity for me to connect with the parents and teach the parents how to translate their children's behaviors and how to set up their unique environments to make them conducive to their child's independence and education. Most of my students go into kindergarten with exiting kindergarten skills. They are able to read and write full sentences, spell by recall a plethora of sight words, add numbers to 10, but most importantly, they maintain their natural joy of learning. I started Grasshopper Academics as a means to bring my program to you. Grasshopper Academics is an online source for downloadable eBooks, personally created by yours truly, shippable curriculum, and most importantly, inspiration. You can find all of my materials at grasshopperacademics.com. You can follow me on social media under Grasshopper Academics and be sure to join my Facebook group, The Village, because it takes a village to raise these kids up in here. (laughs) And Abby, thank you again for, for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So yeah, the Montessori method, I mean, a lot of us homeschooling, we're, we we hear these little words, like all the different methods and the ways you can educate your kids. Montessori, you know, we might have a little bit of an idea of what it means, but could you give us kind of what that philosophy entails and how, you know, homeschoolers who for the first time this fall are thinking of having their kids at home, you know, how might this look for them and how could they implement it? Yeah, so Montessori is Montessori has a very specific set of materials that teach children. They children just feel like they're playing based upon their materials. So there's a a wide variety of materials that are very specific to Montessori, and the materials are so simple that I mean, seeing four and five year olds do fraction and multiplication, it's mind blowing because the materials speak to the way kids think and manipulate objects naturally. But more importantly than that, it's a, it's a mindset, it's a perspective, a, a methodology, the way you understand children. So when I learned about Montessori, my daughter was five and my specialty is ages two and a half to five or six. So by the time I learned about it, I was thinking, oh my goodness, why didn't, if I knew this, I would have been a much better parent this whole time. But I realized that what our natural instincts of working with children is actually the opposite of what they need. So we communicate with children based upon our adult perspectives, which is natural for us because that's <laughs> because we, we are adults. But if you can train your brain and make observations and understand your child from their perspective, you're able to allow them to be the lead. So instead of telling a child what to do, when to do it, how to do it, show them and using lots of words with lots of explanations and definitions. Um, It's really understanding a child from their their natural um, tendencies. So we're making observations about what they're doing. So if your child is naturally ready for reading, you'll know because they are sounding out words or asking about letters or trying to print print letters. Um, so it's really just a mindset about letting your child guide you instead of you feeling like you have to guide your child all the time. And this, this blew my mind because it was so obvious and so simple. 
but I really had to shift my own thinking as a parent because we're just in these habits of being in control of everything and having to be the responsible one and telling and organizing and scheduling. And mm-hmm. so it's really just a shift in your mindset of this is just a journey. Life is a journey and you can be on this journey with your child. You don't have to be the teacher in Montessori. We don't even use the term teacher. We use the term guide because children are naturally their own teachers. This is a big proponent of the Montessori methodology. Mm-hmm. Kids naturally learn. They have a natural ability to learn. We don't have to instill a joy of learning. It's already there. We can kill it, which is what happens with a lot of mm-hmm. educational systems, as you probably mm-hmm. know as an educator yourself, Abby. Um, but it, everything they need is already inside of them. So our job is to just put fuel on that fire and not to squash it and allow them to come to their own understandings and be on this journey with them. And that would be uh, a tip that I have for homeschoolers too, is don't feel like you need to know everything and work with your children as a team and build this journey of education together and make mistakes together. Do you know how empowering that is for little kids Mm -hmm. (laughs) or any kid to see their parents failing and the parent to be able to ask the child, Hey, we're supposed to learn fractions today. What do you think? How do you think we can go about doing that? What are your ideas? And these, your kids are Mm -hmm. so, so much more capable and inspired than, than we give them credit for. Mm-hmm. But we often take so much time to tell them what they, the information that they need instead of letting them tell us what they already know. And a big example of that is a lot of times parents will ask me, what is it that, um, <laughs> well, they'll ask me, so a child will say, ask a question, right? And a parent will naturally answer. But I always tell parents to just reverse that question onto the child and ask that child, well, what do you think? And you will you'll realize that this child already has a wealth of information. They can articulate it in a much more concise and and important way than we can. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's, that's a big part of the Montessori methodology is just understanding your kids in a different way and giving them an opportunity to show you what they know instead of telling them what you think they should know. So it is, is, sounds like a very hands-on way of learning. Is that pretty true to the, to the way you teach? It's, it's a lot of manipulatives or natural, like learning through play. Is that kind of a bit of it too? It's, yeah, it's definitely. So the idea is if you think about kids, they can use their hands before they can use their words, right? So in Montessori, there's a lot, there's lots of materials that kids can use when they're, as soon as they can manipulate their fingertips or their palms or their, their fist grips. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of it is just based upon manipulating objects because, you know, kids love to move things and taste things and smell things and drop things and throw things. So there's materials that allow for children to explore all those, all of that curiosity that they naturally have. So yes, there's a lot of manipulatives, a lot of movement. We don't sit at one table all day long because kids naturally need to be moving. So there's specific um, activities that require a child to go from one location to the next location. So they're naturally getting an opportunity to walk 
and move around and um, we visit lots of different planes. So we use mats on the floor. There might be a standing work to do. There might be, <clears throat> excuse me, work to do sitting at a table. So just allowing kids to visit the planes that they naturally experience all day long. So yeah, a lot of movement, a lot of manipulative. Um, I think learning through play is a little, <clears throat> I understand the value of it, but I think it's a little bit, I almost want to say cliche mm -hmm. because it's not, they're serious. Kids are, kids are actually really serious humans. Like they don't, they don't crack jokes, right? If you, <laughs> we bring the silly into them, we make faces, we talk mm -hmm. to them with silly words or silly voices, mm -hmm. but they learn that from us. Kids mm -hmm. don't naturally, they're naturally very, can be very focused and serious about what they're doing. So mm -hmm. it's like a, in a Montessori, in a traditional Montessori environment, it's like a buzzing beehive. It's mm -hmm. active and busy, but it's not chaotic and mm -hmm. it's not silly. It's very focused mm -hmm. and intentional. And it, because of that, kids are, they're, they're feeding off of the feeling of success and achievement and their own goals and their own skills instead of feeding off of somebody else's mm -hmm. being, being silly or, you know, using a dump truck, but they start yeah. to understand what their own skills are and they hone those skills. So that's, that's a big part of the proposal. That's there. really helpful. We do talk down to kids and we don't give them credit for how much they really can understand. I love that, that idea of um, giving them credit for that, that, that they want to learn too. And that, I think that's so true. We can school that love of learning out of them really easily, but they're born with that curiosity. So I love that your, the Montessori method just encourages what's that naturally there. Is there an ideal age? Like if people are thinking of homeschooling and they're thinking of their kids' ages, is there like an ideal age where these methods work up to, you know, is there, a, is there a cutoff to, to where you could see this being effective? Right. That's, that's a good question. Um, so Montessori starts from infancy. So as early as six months, like I said, as soon as they can move around, there's, there's ways to set up your nursery. So if you have a brand new baby in a Montessori environment, they wouldn't be in a crib. They would be just on a, <clears throat> on a mattress on the floor so they can get down freely and be independent instead of feeling confined and being reliant on adult to lift them up and telling them when they can get up and when they can get out. Um, it's very basic and a Montessori nursery has like a mirror and a pull-up bar so kids can practice pulling themselves up and there's nothing in the room that can fall over or tip over so that when the baby does climb out of the off of the mattress that um, you know he will be he or she will be safe mm -hmm. so it ranges all the way from infancy to there are some schools that even are in high school mm -hmm. now but really the key the the main age group is infancy to maybe kind of pre-k and then there's a lot of you know it's becoming actually a lot more popular in elementary and middle school too so if families are thinking about this method for themselves, does it take a lot of resources? Um, do, do things cost a lot? Or like, it, what's, <laughs> I guess if parents are thinking like, what will this take? Is it, is it complicated? Or is it actually a simple approach that might blow their minds? I don't know. I'm just guessing from what you're saying, maybe it's actually simple. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's like, I think it's like anything you can take it and go as deep into it and have as many materials as you want. Or if you're strapped for funds or space, 
if you just understand the philosophy behind it and the mentality and the mindset, then you can implement it just by the way you work with your children. So it's something as simple as <clears throat> if your child is running through the house, a lot of times we might say, stop running or slow down. But to a child, that's so abstract, right? So in a Montessori environment, we might simply say, walking. Or if they're sitting in a chair and they stand up and, you know, we're afraid that they're going to tip over and we say, you need to sit down, be careful because you could tip over and hurt yourself. We use so many words to explain something like that. In a Montessori environment, we might just say, sitting. <laughs> and just that one word, it gives a very tangible step for the child. So the child knows exactly what the request is and we're not confusing his brain with all these explanations that they don't care about. <laughs> they just want to know what it is that you want from them. So it can, there's a ton of information out there. And as long as you know the methodology behind it, you can start a you can start to hone your own skills and see how change the way you talk to your child, change the expectations that you have of your child and see them blossom and they will, it will blow your mind. And if you want to go full blown, you can get their math materials. I think if I don't, I, no matter what curriculum I teach or recommend, even just as a Montessorian, I might be biased, but their math, the Montessori math materials are the, the best that I, I would ever recommend. So it's anywhere from just understanding the mentality behind it and changing your approach all the way to full-blown language arts and math materials and mm -hmm. science and exploration and geography. So cool. you can make it your own. And that's really what Montessori is about too, is finding what is inspiring and feels good to you. And you're naturally going to learn from it. So mm -hmm. you can take a few steps and see what you love and then make it your own and implement it into your own family, family dynamics. Cool. Do you have a book that you've really loved, like that is like that you've learned about this method with that you would recommend for people to read? I don't didn't ask you that ahead of time, but no, no, that's that's fine. So my thing, I I really try not to recommend books to parents because I feel that what happens is a parent will read a book and then they try to fit all of that information into what they're seeing play out in front of them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but then they read another book and then they change their approach and they change their mindset. So I feel like when I recommend books, I, I don't because I want them to see the child for who they are in front of them and not try to fit their situation into what they read in a book. I feel like a lot of times it can prevent consistency because, well, this book says this, well, now let me try that book. And this one worked for six months. So I feel like it prevents us from seeing the child that's in front of us and understanding what that child is doing and saying in every moment. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I hope that's an okay answer. That yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. And we'll link to okay. your website and different, you have resources, you have a podcast. So we'll link to that. Maybe people can learn more with that as well. Um, I think what you're saying too, like this is a very unique educational approach. Like you're saying, look at the child in front of you and make adjustments and deal, which really fits well with homeschooling because we can adjust what we're doing to the child in front of us. So I think this could be a really good fit for some families. I know you were going to tell us then, and this is great because this applies to any homeschool families, even if they're not doing a pure Montessori method in their home, but 
how can we take what's around us in our homes and use these normal everyday items as educational tools? Can you kind of walk us through some of your ideas? Absolutely. And this is kind of on the heels of what you were asking too, like how can we do this at home and how much do we need to actually implement it? So the things that I have um, for you today are things that you have with you all day long or your kids probably have, but it's just using them from a Montessori approach. So something as simple as your environment. So Maria Montessori said, environment is the third teacher. So your environment needs to be set up so that it allows your child free movement, independence, inspiration. So does does your child have a just right table and chairs, for example? That's always my number one recommendation is if your child doesn't have a table and chair that he can access easily and claim for his own, then that's one thing I would recommend setting up first. Um, But also just giving your child access to their own plates and cups and snack. Maybe there's a snack drawer. So instead of coming to you all the time for a snack, there's a drawer that, or maybe a drawer in the refrigerator or a shelf or something that they can access whenever they are hungry. So setting up your environment so that there's not a lot of physical obstacles or young children are clumsy, right? And they're still working on their large motor skills. So give them access in and out of spaces, um, have a space specifically set up for where you want their shoes or their coats, get them in the routine of putting their items in these spaces um, on a regular basis. And that really empowers them because if they know where their shoes go and they can put their shoes there, that's an element of success. If they have to put their shoes there, but they have to open a a trunk and unlock something or walk over something or stumble over thing over something, they're going to not feel as successful. So just allowing your kids to be as successful and getting to the feeling of achievement. So something as simple as getting their own cup feels like an element of success or putting their dishes in the sink is an element of success. And the more that they can feel those little achievements every day, the more they're going to be inspired and empowered. So my first tip is setting up your environment to make it conducive to your child's independence. Um, My second tip, two out of three, is snack time. So oftentimes we as parents, and I have a 16-year-old, so I I know I did this with my child a lot and I still do, and (laughs) I'm still trying to stop doing it, but we make their food for them. And (laughs) we just set it out for them. And they just sit there and wait for us to do everything for them. But one thing that we can do is allow them to be hands-on at snack time. So it might be something as simple as, and this is the way that we can turn it into an educational skill. So I call it a snack activity. So maybe you can tell your child they can count out five grapes and four crackers, and maybe 18 raisins, for example. So you can provide in incorporating quantities and one-to-one ratio and fine motor skills. And then that is empowering to your child too, because they're not just sitting there waiting for you to do something. They're actively engaged in their own snack. And something as simple as counting out objects in a set is a huge math skill that's going to provide long-term success when they're ready for some counting and addition. Mm -hmm. And then my last one, Abby, is puzzles. So do your kids work with puzzles? 
<laughs> they did when they were younger. They were big into puzzles. Yeah. 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 So everybody has puzzles at home. And what do kids do? They take the puzzle and they dump it out. They love watching things dump out, which is wonderful. When working with a puzzle, however, you can sit down with your child and teach them how to take out one piece at at a time, one puzzle piece at a time. And for young kids, there's usually a little knob to grab. So we're working on pencil grip because they'll naturally use their fingertips to take the puzzle piece off. And then you can teach them to line up their puzzle piece and their puzzle pieces in a straight line. So this is pre-printing and pre-writing skills because they're going to take one puzzle piece and set it on their left. And they're going to take another one and set it next to that on the right, just like they will when they line up letters when they start printing. So they can they can start lining things up from left to right. But this is also one-to-one ratio, learning to take one object at a time when most young young kids like to take fistfuls of things and carry as many things as possible in their hand. So just being able to take one object at a time, line things up left to right is a pre-writing and a pre-reading skill, right? So if you can get in the habit, if they can get in the habit at the age of three and four, starting on the left and moving to the right, that's already a challenge that will be eliminated when they go to printing because they don't know where to start but it will be a habit to start on the left side of the page and move to the right when they're printing and reading. So those are my three tips for you guys today. Awesome. So it really isn't complicated, is it? But it's going to take the parent to be present, not like zoning out during snack time or checking the phone or whatever, right? It's just really being present and thinking through. I love it though. It's so simple and it's stuff we should naturally be doing. Yeah, yeah, it it really is simple. Once you understand kind of, like I said, the mindset behind Mm -hmm. it, you can see how you can use the materials that are already in your house if you don't want Mm -hmm. to buy the Montessori materials. Mm -hmm. You can see how you can use little figurines, for example. I'm sure, I mean, Mm -hmm. who's got Legos and dump trucks and little little trinkets that your kids mm-hmm. <laughs> that our kids collect and hoard, just teaching them to line those things up left to right. I mean, yeah. that's all, so many educational skills that they're learning. So yeah, it's, it, it can be very simple, very basic. Awesome. I think this has been really helpful, Natalie, and thank you for your expertise and kind of explaining the Montessori method and how, what kind of changes we could do in our homes. So as we wrap up, do you have any last minute encouragement or advice for my homeschool moms? Yes. I have so many. Which one do I want to give you today? (laughs) Um, If you're just starting, don't feel like you have to know everything. I would say empower yourself with information. So find out what the state laws are in your state. And what I like to do is find out what the kind of state standards are for education. So if you know that your child is going to have to know all of the letter sounds by the end of this school year, then you don't necessarily have to purchase an entire curriculum or know how you're going to go about it. Just know that that's going to be your end goal and work on it throughout the year. So just empower yourself with the the, the goals because you don't know, if you don't know where you're going, you're not going to know how to get there. So just understand kind of what the long-term goals are for each year. And then you can start understanding what steps to take to get there because it can be so overwhelming. There's so many curricula, so many methodologies, and it's 
it's mind blowing. So don't feel like you have to know everything at once and allow your child to be a part of the curriculum process. What do you think about this? What do you think we should do? How do you think we can practice colors today? I don't know what we did yesterday was a disaster, right? How did I even mess that up? Like be feel, feel free to engage your child in the journey. Don't put it all on your shoulders. Your child will guide you if you give them an opportunity to. Awesome. Thank you so much, Natalie. It's been fun talking. Thank you, Abby. I'll talk to you soon, I hope. I hope you really enjoyed this episode, but most importantly, I hope you found some idea or some mindset that will help you as you educate your young kids, even this week. So jump on over to the show notes and you can find all of Natalie's links at 41more.com forward slash 75. Don't forget to check out my series for you. If you're just considering homeschooling your kids and you want to know a little bit more about what it's going to take, head on over to 41more.com forward slash homeschooling 101 and you can get into that series for basics for parents before you start. Thanks so much for joining me as always. And in the meantime, Happy homeschooling.